Hi Magic Hour listeners, before we get into the Ruffian Reborn episode with Chain Gamer, I wanted to make a couple of announcements. First, if you haven't heard, I've been selected to be a part of the Going Bananas team as part of a new live-action role-playing series with Small Brain Holders, brought to you by Smallverse and Strider and Treasure Dow. Playing in the Alpha was a lot of fun, and I hope you all get to experience some of those rousing live events with us in the future. Next, I want to mention that we'll be having Ben at Official Avenger from the Battlefly team on the next episode. Season 1 of their Battlefly Arena is launching any day now, and their G-Fly token is launching today and is on Magic Swap as well. Honestly, I'm super excited about this, and I'm grateful for listeners like you who keep on listening. Thanks again, and here's Ruffian Reborn with Chain Gamer. Coming at you all the way from Arbitrum, it's the Magic Hour Podcast. This is Alan. Dionysus. And Breaker. Produced by Digital Strategies Guild. Ladies and gentlemen of the Magic Hour Pod fan base, thank you again for joining us today. We have a wonderful guest. We have Ali Hussein, uh, the chain gamer.eth from Ruffian Reborn. They're a new project that's minting in a couple weeks in the Treasure Dow ecosystem, of course. And uh, I'm really happy to have you here, Ali. Welcome to the pod. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Certainly. And uh, as, as we're wont to do on this pod, we usually start with some softball questions. So again, why don't you tell me how you discovered the blockchain, what, what got you into it, what you found interesting about it, and then uh, you know, we'll go from there. Absolutely. So you know, I heard about Bitcoin back in the day. Didn't really look too much into it. It wasn't till 2015 or so that I, you know, I'd kind of been keeping tabs on stuff on and off. And then with the Ethereum launch and seeing the ecosystem grow and seeing that, you know, this was something that didn't seem to fizzle out and wasn't going anywhere, that really piqued my interest. So started getting involved in 2015, learning more about it. And because of that, I was around for the whole ICO craze. When that happened, you know, did a bunch of research on different projects, invested in a few ICOs. You know, one that comes to mind, my area of interest has always been games. One of the ICOs that was happening at the time was Engine Coins ICO, which was uh, this whole gaming ecosystem. So got into a few ICOs and, um, you know, got involved in uh, crypto that way. Obviously, things were very exciting for a little while, and then 2018 came around, and all of a sudden, things were not so exciting anymore. In fact, as you'll recall, you know, ETH went from over a thousand bucks to around 80 or so, and there was a lot of, um, you know, noise around everything being over, and this just kind of fizzling out, and the whole Q-lip mania thing that uh, comes around and gets talked about whenever crypto prices fall. So that was a time that, you know, was obviously a depressing time for everyone in the space, but um, still stayed involved, kept, you know, kind of accumulating coins here and there, learning about projects, so on and so forth. And then it was um, last year, early last year, late 2020 that I really got into NFTs. Wasn't, you know, super involved in in that before then. Didn't actually uh, spend too much time learning about them either. But uh, when I started digging into NFTs, that was, you know, something that, that really clicked. And I thought that there were a lot of applications, especially in the gaming space for NFTs. And, you know, you could do some really cool things utilizing a public blockchain like Ethereum and having assets that, you know, players would have real ownership of that could, you know, live on as collectibles, even when a game might die and also have interoperability in the option to be brought into other games in the ecosystem. So that's, that's kind of uh, my backstory. Awesome. I mean, uh, honestly, you know, I agree with a lot of that. A lot of what you said about the interoperability and, and the value of um, NFTs on the blockchain. But I want to take a step back for a second. You said you always uh, were interested in games. Are you uh, a gamer? Like, 
what games did you play when you were younger that kind of fostered this kind of interest in gaming itself? Yeah, um, lots of them actually. I think the you know, it started when um, I was pretty young, and uh, my dad got us a two eighty six, and we had a bunch of different uh, games on that. And then shortly after that, I got my first gaming console, which was a Nintendo Entertainment System. It was the NES. So you know got into games very early on. I think some of my all-time favorites would um, definitely be things like Dangerous Dave, Commander Keen, that whole series. And then... Um, wow, but, that's a throwback. Yeah, yeah. A uh, bunch of games on the Sega Genesis, like um, uh, what's it, uh, Streets of Rage, the Streets of Rage series. Um, I always liked older the Sonic games. Yeah, so so all of that, and then there was another one. I don't know if you recall that, but uh, it was called uh, Golden Axe. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. So so all of those kind of classic games, and then you know that's that's what really got my interest going in in all of this stuff. And my brother was a computer scientist, so I was like, well, in order to make games, I need to learn computer science. Right. Um, so that kind of um, got me interested in uh, CS. Mm-hmm. And um, there were a few PC games that really made an impact on me. I think one of the first ones was uh, Myst. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just the, I don't know if you remember the the box and the packaging. It was so insane. Like, you open the box and there's a journal and you take out the CD-ROM and you're supposed to, you know, just write logs of your adventures on the island and the kind of puzzles that they had. It was just like such an amazing experience. I have I have to agree. I, I remember the first I played Mist, and I'm like lost, right? You're, yeah, it, you feel like you're lost. Crazy. So, so you you are a computer science. I guess you're a, a software engineer, or are you majoring in computer science? But what were you doing? pre-blockchain or are yeah, you still- so i majored in computer science and uh, economics uh, from ut austin and then when i graduated i worked at uh, microsoft for about three three and a half years or so in uh, the seattle area moved back to austin in 2015 to join a startup here called spark cognition which was an industrial which is an industrial ai startup and then currently, I serve as the chief product officer at a uh, joint venture between Spark Cognition and the Boeing company called SkyGrid. So we're in um, the software business, but building software for drones and kind of an aerial operating system of sorts to integrate drones into the airspace. That's um, super cool. So that's that's the that's the day job. <laughs> no wonder you're such a pit, uh, busy guy and and uh, sometimes difficult to get a handle on. But good for you. I mean, that sounds amazing. Before we talk about how you discovered magic and treasure, what was your first NFT that you purchased or minted? Or yeah, my first NFT that I purchased was, I think it was the Arabian Camels. There were like two or three. Actually, no, that's that's not true. The first NFTs that I bought were Axies. Okay. And then I kind of zoomed out a little bit and got into the NFT space in general. And then I got a couple of Arabian camels that I still have. And then two days after that or something, you know, a couple, three days after that, I got uh, my ape. Oh, you got a bored ape? Yeah. Oh. Your your icon, gotcha. Exactly, yeah. So, so I um I actually got it from Pranksy. Oh, cool. And yeah, so that kind of started the whole NFT collection craze for me. And so, how did you end up discovering magic and the treasure DAO? You know, sure. You know, some for some for me it was you know the loot. NFT was minted and then the treasure NFT 
was like a, uh, I guess a derivative project, and exactly. I just I just ended up like sticking with that one for a while. Yeah. So similar similar story, right? So after kind of uh, getting into NFTs in general, you know, got into board apes, and there was another project called Bulls on the Block that didn't really end up going anywhere. But that was a few folks who were in the Board Ape Discord who minted, uh, who kind of created that and then minted that. This was around the same time that um, the Pixel Vaults Punks comic launched as well. Yeah, so, I, mean, I remember that one. Stuff, yeah, there was a lot of stuff happening. And, um, you know, I kind of, since my interest was more on, on the gaming side, I always tried to, you know, keep an eye out there, got into Treeverse and things like that. So the reason that I found out about Loot was because I was in another project that uh, Dehoff was running and still running called Blitmap. And so found out about Loot, never minted or got any. But um, that, like you said, started the whole derivative craze. And there was a bunch of, you know, um, derivatives that didn't end up going anywhere. And I was uh, hanging out in uh, Moon Lords, uh, the one Discord. And we were just kind of talking about, you know, mints that were going on. A lot of these were, if you recall, free mints. So I, you know, there, there were a bunch of random things that I grabbed in those days. And, you know, like I said, lots of them didn't really go anywhere. There were two that stood out. One was um, Treasure. And the other one was uh, Dope Wars. Uh, okay. Those were both loot derivatives. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, you know, grabbed a few from, from secondary and hopped into the Discord. And it was quiet for a while. But um, the, the thing that really, you know, the thing that I really liked about it was that uh, the growth was really organic. They had, you know, their fair set of um, problems early on and and things were moving slowly and um, you know they they started with the whole staking your treasure cards to to earn some magic and then being able to split out all of the items on an individual card then the whole bridge over to arbitrum etc so on and so forth and then you know you could stake uh, your treasure to get some Genesis legions as well. This is when all the migration stuff was happening. So kind of seeing all of that was very interesting. And like I said, the biggest thing that stood out was that it felt very organic. It didn't feel, you know, forced or artificial. And um, what really got me to day was uh, the vision that the team had around, you know, building this open platform where you have you know a lot of games being built that have interoperability there's this unifying layer underneath which is the treasure dao ecosystem which is you know using magic as the token and then you just have uh, builders come and um, build out all sorts of stuff on it yeah so love that uh me too and and it's funny, I'm also a uh, one member, and that's how I discovered all this kind of stuff, all the treasure DAO and, and magic NFTs. I got, I got a treasure NFT from the day that it was minting, but I didn't realize you were a member of the one Discord as well. We're, we're big fans of the one on the Magic yeah, Hour pod. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun place to hang out. Oh, it sure is. It sure is. I'm usually an NFT general, so I was surprised because I, I didn't see you chat there too much but i see you're you're mostly in um crypto general from what i can yeah. see but cool nonetheless i think that that's really great so um you know you mentioned before that you know when you were thinking about games and blockchain how nfts are really something that can really add to the value of a game and and i agree with you and i wonder why do you think that there's so such I guess animosity towards NFTs and the blockchain in the gamer space is. Do you think it's because a lot of people are scammers? I mean, SBF 
<laughs> notwithstanding and the whole FTX debacle, but what do you think is really going to help gamers kind of get over that whole we hate at NFTs movement? It, do you think it's going to be like changing the name yeah. of it to uh, something else? I mean, I, I think I think that's a that's a fantastic question. I actually wrote something on this uh, on the subject. I do this newsletter every now and then, but there's one entry that I did that's called uh, the one about blockchain gaming. And essentially, you know, to, to answer your gamer question first, you know, I, I'm a gamer. I love games and, you know, I've loved them since I was a kid. You know, I told you about Mist and stuff. Then there was Age of Empires 2. That really got me hooked on competitive games. And then I played League of Legends for, for several years. But I think the one thing that, um, and it's good to be self-aware about this, gamers are not the most open-minded folks. So we have a lot of room for improvement there. And I think there's this natural kind of inertia and animosity towards new things that, uh, you know, that one doesn't understand. So initially, you know, like you said, obviously the space is very nascent and there are a lot of scams. And, you know, I've been, I'm a proud participant of several rugs myself, but, you know. A participant meaning you got rugged, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Participant meaning I got rugged. I, I haven't rugged anyone yet. <laughs> so... So, you know, there's there's definitely that aspect which which can be annoying and you know, there's a lot of responsibility on the individual to make sure because there are no protections in place so on and so forth. But I kind of see that as a, a double-edged sword. There are no protections in place and so you can, you know, whatever you kind of put in can go to zero. But then right now the upside at least in the last year has also been, you know, absolutely insane. So there's there's that piece. And obviously the you know, when you have rugs and stuff that and there are a bunch that happened last year, right? With the whole fame ladies thing, which I don't know if you recall, but it was supposed to be an all female project and it turns out that it was just, you know, um, three or four guys from somewhere in, in Europe that were just kind of pretending. And then that got taken over by the community, et cetera. So there have been a bunch of kind of, you know, uh, rugs. There have also been some kind of nice rebirth stories, et cetera. But I think what is really uh, going to be key for adoption is when we have some quality products and people just, you know, there's seamless integration of NFTs. You know, like you said, the name is definitely something that could be friendlier. And I think Reddit uh, did a very good job with the whole digital collectibles thing. So there's, there's that aspect. And then just, you know, making sure that the user experience is smooth and fluid, because at the end of the day, no one will care about, you know, whether or not you have a blockchain component as long as the game is good. And if the game is good, then they'll start liking the blockchain component. And if the game is not good, then they'll, you know, dislike the blockchain component. But just because it's a new thing, the, the burden of, of proof is um, on all of us who want to build in this space. And we need to make sure that, you know, we build uh, high quality stuff. Absolutely. And I think you said something there where it kind of it becomes seamless and the protections are there. And, and I think that that's an, a part of it, too. It's like, you know, a user has to be able to go on and not real and not even have to worry about the fact that what they're purchasing is an NFT or that it's on the blockchain, but know that that it exists there and that they can trade it outside of the ecosystem that they're in or in the ecosystem that they're in. Right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, 
we're gonna get there at some point because it, it just it makes sense for for it to happen that way but it 100 percent does right because if you if you just zoom out a little bit i think and haven't done any kind of formal research around this but you know one of the reasons that uh, nfts appeal to me personally is because i've always been a huge collector of uh, action figures of uh, you know funko pops of pokemon cards of lego sets you know what have you and the thing is that when you come from that mindset and when you have kind of a collector's viewpoint what like i said whether it's you know collecting things like this or stamps or coin collecting or whatever you kind of get the appeal around nfts they are essentially you know at the very least just digital collectibles and right. so um i mean you'd be hard pressed to explain to someone why a first edition uh, shadowless you know hollow foil charizard rated psa 10 is worth 150000 bucks but you know to folks who collect pokemon cards it's that is what it's worth and and people pay for that so I think there's that that's the reason that the whole NFT thing makes a lot of sense to me personally. And the other thing is, and this is something that I talked about in this this article that I wrote. The other thing is just the fact that depending on how you execute on whatever products you build, they don't need to be fully decentralized, et cetera. But you essentially, you know, create an opportunity for users and participants, gamers in your ecosystem to be able to preserve assets that they have, you know, spent a lot of time on, as opposed to, you know, League of Legends is thriving today. But if League of Legends dies tomorrow and Riot shuts down and they shut off their servers, much like what happened to Heroes of New Earth, which was a LOL competitor. All of the skins that you've bought, all of your uh, match history, everything, it's, it's gone. Yeah. So there's you know, very little control and there's zero ownership that you have because, I mean, all of these different game studios, whenever you purchase something, if you look at the terms and conditions, you're not really purchasing the item you are getting a license to the item that can be revoked at any time if the you know if the studio uh, decides to revoke it yeah no you're absolutely right and i mean that to me is a huge challenge for you know like spending money it's like i don't own anything you know so why would i spend money on something that i'm not going to own it goes against the way i i want things to be so yeah, yeah and, and when you put right. it like that it, it it makes a lot of sense right but then you you zoom out and you just look at the mobile gaming market you look at the gaming market in general especially in this whole digital age i mean we spent so much money on steam games we spent so much money on in-app mobile purchases and this is like you said very rightly all on stuff that we don't own that could be turned off tomorrow Mm -hmm. So obviously there's demand for it. And, you know, my view on this is a very simple one. And that is that if you just add a collectability and ownership aspect to it, just that, nothing more, why wouldn't there be demand for that? Because if nothing else, it's, you know, something that exists that I can point to. And, you know, all all gamers are very proud of achievements and all of this and that. But for example, in, in my case, my favorite champion in League of Legends is, is Jax. And so I went ahead and collected all of the different Jax skins. And I played, you know, thousands of games as that champion. I'd like to have all of those skins and 3D models, etc., just be available as, as collectibles, you know. I can um, or, if or I have skins those three... for your character in in a, a metaverse. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. So so much stuff, right? So yeah. I mean, there's there's no harm in that. The way, at least from the from my point of view, 
because if you know riot goes out of business tomorrow then they really shouldn't care about the fact that you know i'm using ip that's for all intents and purposes defunct now mm-hmm. uh, that i paid for for my personal use you're absolutely right you know i i <laughs> i think i've played in my life one league of legends game I, I really like <laughs> I, I I just don't have the time to play it, I think is what it comes down to. So I never got into it. But I know that it's one of the most popular games. So I think you're, a, you're a very fortunate person. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was just reading a, a, a tweet. Um, apparently, uh, SBF had played something like a thousand games of ranked league and never got out of bronze too i don't even know what yes. that means but <laughs> yes yes that means that he's a he's a very poor league of legends <laughs> <laughs> well he's very poor at a lot of things but well, there you go <laughs> <laughs> we digress uh you know i brought you on because i want to talk about ruffian reborn your project um how did the idea of ruffian reborn uh originate what well, you know what was the genesis of it yes yeah, so i've been doing indie game uh, development for for several years as kind of a side hobby, and then you know when uh, got involved into NFTs and was looking at all of the Axie stuff, I thought there were you know some cool things to be done, and I decided to you know take my time and and do things slowly. So over the last year and a half, I started kind of ideating on. The concept for Raffion Reborn, which is basically a turn-based strategy game with deck-building elements. And over the last year and a half, the the idea also kind of evolved a lot. So I think if you take a look at the website or you take a look at the very early demo, you're basically in a 3v3 game. There are cards, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is just like Axie, right? But there is some... It it reminded me a little bit of... um... Heroes of Mind Magic. Oh, thank you. That's that's a huge compliment. I love that series. So basically, uh, the the goal that I have for Raffion is to create what I'm calling the first homebrew cartridge in the treasury ecosystem. And what I mean by that is that not only will we have a fully playable game but also a game that's going to be you know easy to mod okay. if there's someone in the community that's interested in creating more cards whether you want to integrate you know uh small sharks or things from uh, life or small verse whatever there are many ways to kind of you know add interoperability um between different treasure projects and then the other piece of it is that the um you know initially for holders and then i'm working with the treasure team to figure out the details of this but i want to make the whole thing open source Mm. so if you played the demo you'll notice it was built in unity but the the actual game is being built in godot which is an open source game engine under the mit license we're doing some work around the back-end architecture for multiplayer which is basically going to utilize IPFS and do a bunch of validation on the client side because we want it to be very light on you know, server-side components mm-hmm. um, so that anyone can kind of pull this project down from a repo, clone it, and get a head start on building their own game for Treasure. And if you want to be- build a turn-based game, well, you know, a lot of the infrastructure is already there. There are other utilities that we're working on adding. For example, you know, the initial card packs that we're working on will have, you know, small brains and uh, uh, swole bodies, for example. Um, small brains are the equivalent of an intelligence deck. Uh, swoles would be the equivalent of a strength deck, things like that. So is the, intention, can, is the intention there that uh, if, if you are holding a small brain, then you have access to the small brain deck or certain small brain cards? Right. So uh, there are a couple of things and not fully decided on that yet. But if you hold a small brain or if you hold uh, a swole, et cetera, you can, you know, number one, kind of just customize the look and feel of your pupper. 
And number two, you might get some uh, special edition cards. I don't know if you've uh, messed around with Pokemon, uh, sorry, not Pokemon, with uh, Marvel uh, Snap recently. But you know I have, how they have that. I'm addicted yeah, to it. You know it's how they have amazing. that upgrade guard system where yeah. you're just changing the look and feel of it. So mm-hmm. think something like that. Like if you okay. hold a an NFT from that collection, you get that. But the mm-hmm. idea there is that you unlock card packs by burning treasures okay. and a little bit of magic. And I, I so love that. That's the utility, and that is kind of the uh, you know those are the utilities that we will write and include in the project itself. So that if you want to create your own game and you want to you know allow for the burning of different NFTs in the treasury ecosystem to mint new ones, card packs, etc. For your game, or it could be items. You can change it however you want, right? That kind of contributes to the economy in a in a positive way and you know some of the things that we're experimenting with right now is dynamic pricing etc so depending on um, you know different tiers of treasures for example there's a lot of t5 treasures depending on the supply over a period of time you might log in one day and you know see that the the price is you know whatever 7 tier five treasures and five magic. And the next week that you log in, turns out that a lot of people have been sending their legions on quests. A lot of people have been crafting, et cetera, so on and so forth. And so the T5 supply has skyrocketed. And so you want to burn more of that. So that's the other thing I'm working with the, with the treasure team on. And those are the things that you know we're going to build into it. So basically not only a game that you can play, but also for builders, you can just you know download the whole thing and and go crazy, make your own stuff, mod the existing game, and that's what this project is is really about. Well, th- I mean that sounds awesome. So these these ruffians, they're dogs, right? Yeah. Or puppers, as you called them. They're gonna be the NFT that you mint when you have your mint. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And what's the uh, initial supply there? Uh, the initial supply is going to be, we're going to have uh, 3,000 of these being minted. Then we're going to reserve 300 or so for different giveaways, etc. And then another, I think, 33 to kind of distribute amongst uh, community contributors and team, etc. So on. Okay. And you mentioned team. Who is on your team? Who's, uh, I mean, obviously, it sounds like you're the, the lead developer, correct, or maybe chief product officer, among other things. But how big is your team? How many people are working on this project along with you? Yeah, so this is a project that uh, I'm doing through my uh, indie game studio called Forgotten Machine, uh, okay. which is something that uh, my wife and I set up a few years ago now. That's where we've been kind of doing our game development. And then the team as it currently stands, we have our teams based out of uh, Pakistan. And we have about five folks full-time working on this there. Awesome. Well, I mean, it looks, it, it looks somewhat fully fleshed out. Obviously, it's just a demo, so I'm sure there's going to be more features added, and you know things will change when the doges come get minted, so to speak. But what do you have? You know, you talk about this homebrew, which actually I really liked what you said about creating kind of a framework or almost like a dev pack for building your own turn-based strategy game on treasure. I I really like that idea because. I'm not a developer by any stretch of the imagination, and I wouldn't. I would also say that I'm not really a game designer. But for someone who is like me and is not a developer but has an idea for a turn-based strategy game, I think that's great for them to just be able to pick up, I guess, or clone your code and then be able to create their own turn-based strategy game. Why? What? What's driving your interest in doing it this way? What's driving my interest in doing it this way is that this is, you know, first and foremost, 
there are basically two projects that that I'm working on. You know, one is Rafian, and then there's another one where I've kind of been building this fantasy universe over the last three or so years, three or four years now. And that's called Into the Dungeons. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, hopefully going to be my uh, long-term uh, Web3 project because there's, there's a lot of stuff that I want to do there with storytelling and games and music and this, that, and the other. But I love that. The reason for doing Rafian was, and again, I kind of mentioned that article uh, that I wrote. One of the things that I've always, you know, disliked, and I think all of us who've ever played games have experienced this. There are so many online games that you play that just kind of die out, and there's no way for you to, you know, get those back. Couple of examples. There was this old uh, game that was published by a small studio somewhere. They got acquired by EA. It was called Battle Forge. Mm -hmm. It was an online kind of strategy card game. They went, you know, they they had their server shut down. Duelist is a more recent example. They had their server shut down. Mm -hmm. So there are so many of these games that have you know, very passionate communities that might be smaller. And in both of these examples, by the way, you know, in, in one of them, the community reached out to EA, got all the assets and is reviving the game. In another one, Duelist is being revived uh, as well. And they're doing a Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And they're relaunching the whole thing as Duelist 2.0. And this is all community driven. So one of the things that I wanted to do was you know, utilize the concept of the blockchain of NFTs and this, you know, like I said, uh, front-end heavy server light architecture that would, as long as, you know, there are two people out there in the world who want to play Rafion Reborn, um, you can just revive it at any time. It's, you know, a game that um, no matter how small the community is, is not dependent on, you know, me hosting a server and running the game centrally. And there are many ways for folks to, you know, revive the game at any point in time. There might be a few people who play it for a few months and everyone forgets about it. And three years down the road, there are three people who remember it fondly and they want to bring it back and they can do that. So that was kind of one big motivator. Mm. And I think that's, like I said, an experiment that, that I wanted to run. And the other one is just, you know, as I mentioned, I think it's, it's a cool way to contribute to the treasury ecosystem uh, in terms of, you know, allowing different folks with, you know, in different areas of expertise to expand on the game and to uh, kind of mod the game uh, create their own variants, so on and so forth. Um, because, I mean, some of the most popular games that you see, League of Legends is one example, none of it would have existed if um, you didn't have the uh, Warcraft mod, which was Defense of the Ancients. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I, re I remember Defense of the Ancients, the first, yeah, the yeah. first iteration. So, I mean, the, you have the whole kind of MOBA industry being born out of one custom map. And that's, I mean, more recently, there's the example of Auto Chess. And that was, again, a Dota 2 custom game. Yep, yep. That spawned a bunch of clones, and now Riot also has one called Team Fight Tactics. But mm -hmm. that's the thing that I want to be able to contribute through this project. And I'm also hoping to use, you know, some of the utilities and uh, things that we build when uh, we launch into the dungeon games. So it's, you know, not only something that I want to share with the community, but then also practically show everyone that, hey, you know, look, I'm, I'm building additional games using this architecture. I'm building additional games using these utilities, et cetera. And, and you can do it too. So once it gets to that point, I want to kind of hand it over to the community and, uh, you know, have them kind of run expansion packs and do all of that fun stuff. 
But that's that's kind of the point that I want to get this to first. You know, I I think that that's awesome. I, I I'm very happy that there's someone like you in this space. Obviously, there are others in the space like you, but I I I really appreciate your motivations for what you're doing. And I also want to say that I love I I think what what you bring up about games dying is a very real thing that I never really like consider cuz yeah, I play a game and then I move on for whatever reason, you know. But what I'm kind of realizing with Magic and Treasure is that these cartridges will never die as long as the blockchain exists because they're built there. Other people can you can you can access them anytime you want as long as the contract doesn't change or you know someone eliminates the contract. But that is a, a means for keeping these games alive regardless if the developers are long gone, if they've given up on it. No, right? I, I mean one one hundred percent. And you know some of this is also coming from from personal experience because you know the first game that I kind of launched on not the first, but one that I did a few years ago, was a uh, infinite runner on uh, iOS. And it was cool little concept where you actually draw to interact with uh, your character. And you basically have three shapes in different colors. And the screen is divided in three parts. And so you can draw a square or a triangle or a circle. And the creature changes shape and you have to be the same shape and same color to get through an obstacle. And so that's a game that was available on iOS and, um, you know, just put it out there free to play, etc. It had a story mode. It had some missions. It had an infinite runner mode and um, it's not there anymore. And the reason it's not there is because with every iOS update, with every Xcode update, Apple keeps changing a lot of things. And so unless you're actively maintaining something, and this is, you know, something I built that was completely free to play and I wasn't making any money off of it. It's just a game that I wanted to put out there. You have to actively maintain it because there's no backward compatibility. And there's also no other way for someone to play it other than on their, uh, you know, iOS device. So again, I mean, for being in the digital age, for having all of these apps, at any point in time, I can yank my app off the app store and that's it. It's gone. You don't, right. you don't get it anymore. So that's something that I'm not a huge fan of. And, you know, in terms of video games, especially and, and software in general, I think that there should be uh, more of an effort to, to preserve video games because I mean, there are some old ones that are absolute gems, and we would all be a lot poorer if we if we lost them. Mm -hmm. I think we've we've still got a long ways to go, but we're we're definitely on the right path. I mean, you know, with your game coming out and the beacon, which looks pretty cool, also I, we're starting to get so to some actual looks, beacon looks amazing. I've I've been talking to uh, Davey and the team, and I mm -hmm. absolutely cannot wait to play it. I love Me neither. The, Me neither. I love the art. It's it just looks fantastic. It feels like a little like um, I don't want to say Secret of Mana, but um, like uh, River City Ransom style graphics, which uh, you know I'm pretty excited about. But also, what I was getting at was you know there's now we're starting to get some actual games, playable games. You know, I, I know yeah. that. Realm exists, and Realm has been driving a lot of the transactions on the Magic ecosystem, as has Small Brains and Bridge World. And but a lot of it for them is just pointing and clicking right now. It's you know, it's it's do this transaction. You know, it's 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 akin to pencil and paper tabletop RPG style gaming of the past. And I know that. That's not entertaining for a lot of people, but it has been kind of keeping things going while people like yourself have been developing these types of games. So, you know, I'm not saying I'm not interested in those games, but I want something that I can play because I also want to stream. I want to start streaming some of these games. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, the Magic Hour pod can definitely kind of expand into the gaming, the streaming arena a little bit. I think that there's going to be a uh, a big 
kind of market for that as well. So, uh, you know, I'm excited for these games to come out and to be able to start streaming them and, and playing them and competing with others. You know, I think that that's uh, going to be really exciting. Now, with Ruffian Reborn, I have two more questions. The first one is, is how do you get the cards for your deck? Do you just automatically start with like a starter deck? Can you buy others? Do you have to win to earn more cards? What's your, how, uh, how are you planning on uh, releasing them to the players? Right. So the, the way that that'll work is we'll have a couple of um, decks that will be kind of pre-made and available as, uh, as starter decks. And you can, you know, use those. Actually, it'll be you know, a bunch of cards that you can mix and match and create your own card deck with. Mm. But then moving forward, and this is something that I'm kind of still exploring and I haven't fully figured out how we want to do this. But again, because there are, you know, we're trying to solve for two problems. One is obviously have the game out there that's fun. And the other one is to kind of deliver it in a way that folks can customize and, you know, create their own stuff with it. But I, I want to try and see if we can do a couple of different things. One would be, you know, like you said, a play to earn feature, uh, which would be, and when I say play to earn, I mean play to earn NFTs, not play to, to make money. So you're doing PvP. And when you win a game, you, you know, earning points and those points can be used to unlock nfts and and mint new nft cards etc and the other thing is using like i said magic and treasure to mint card packs and i think that's something that we want to focus on more because of the ability that it has to uh, you know, also help balance bridge world and keep inflation under control and all of those things. So those are a couple of things that we're looking at. There are obviously a lot of other options as well, but that's kind of where we'll start out. Awesome. And then, you know, I'm playing the game. I have, let's say I have one ruffian NFT. Will I be able to play the game with one or do I need like two or three? And follow up. Um, what am I, yeah. let's say I'm playing against you and I win, do I win anything? Do I win magic? Do I win like some points that can then be cashed in for cards? Like what's the, uh, what's the incentive to play and what am I earning at the end? Right. So you need a team of uh, three puppers to play. And and the reason for that is that there are nine breeds that are currently available in the game. Each breed will have its own strengths and weaknesses. And each breed based on their stats, for example, you know, strength, defense, intelligence, dexterity, things like that, will be able to use different cards. So you can have a more generalist deck that is, you know, there are cards that all of your a team can use, but they'll be less powerful. Or you could have uh, a certain deck that has, you know, a few special cards that only one of your dogs can use. Um, so that adds one element of strategy, and that's kind of what you need in terms of, uh, you know, to be able to play the game. There will be a free-to-play mode as well, where you can just, you know, play for free. You don't have any NFTs, etc. But we'll include that as well, just so that people can, you know, get a taste for the game. And if they want to buy NFTs later on, they can always do that. But don't want to gate the game behind an NFT. And this is, you know, part of the reason that I'm not aware of any other project that did this. You know, this is part of the reason that I wanted to actually launch a fully playable demo before we mint anything. Because it's like, look, we've built something. There's a vision for this. There's a lot of work to do, and it's going to take a lot of time. But, you know, this is not a, hey, you know, give me X amount of ETH, and this is my roadmap. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hopefully things will be great. 
we're already working on this. This is completely uh, independent of how the mint goes or how it doesn't go and so on and so forth. Because, and this is just something that uh, I think is important for the ecosystem to have. That's one piece. And to answer your second question, I'm a huge fan of competitive games. And I think, first off, the primary reason for folks to play this game is that it should be super fun to play because if it's fun to play, then we won't need another reason. The other thing is that I am kind of talking with the treasure team and and figuring out how we can use this economy that we're building when, let's say, you're burning treasures, NFTs, and you're uh, spending magic in order to mint new cards and things like that, or getting cosmetic upgrades or whatever. We want to see if we can use some of that magic pool and kind of reward people with that. So, you know, you play competitively and you earn magic and you you win stuff that way. And then, you know, the in addition to that, there can also be the possibility of, you know, unlocking uh, items and uh, depending on, you know, having kind of a small probability of unlocking an NFT directly if you are on a hot win streak or things like that. So those are the the incentives that we're looking at. None of that is built out yet, but from a design perspective, that's what we're exploring. Awesome. Well, I mean, we're coming up on an hour and, you know, I like, I like to try and keep these episodes under an hour, but I have to say, Ali, um, I've had a wonderful time talking to you. It's great to meet someone who is as passionate about not just building, but playing games as and telling stories as you are. I think stories are super important, regardless of you know whatever the game may be, because I think stories are what keep people around and keep people interested. So, you know, I, I'm going to definitely check out your Forgotten Machine gaming studio, see what you got, what you have up there and and what you've been working on i'm really interested in following along with with your pursuits and i'm really excited to, to for the ruffian reborn mint and i'm you know i'm gonna try and mint myself some some puppers myself but uh, i wish you a lot of luck and this was just a, a wonderful time thank you so much it was it was an absolute pleasure uh talking to you and thank you so much for the time And that concludes another episode of Magic Hour, friends. If you like what you hear, please like and subscribe to our YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you can listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Magic Hour Pod. All the links are found on our link tree, which is in the show notes. From all of us, we appreciate your support for Bridge World. Bridge World.